This is episode 230 of the Fearless Launching Podcast. I'm your host, Anne Samoylov. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. It is the first interview of season two. And today I thought we would go to something that I think talk up, really dive into a topic, if I can spit the words out here, that we often hear, see in business courses, and we often are told that this is important, and it is actually. So it's not going to be one of those episodes where we where you've been told it's important, but it's actually not. This actually is important. And today, we're going to be talking about how to build the right customer avatar for your business idea. But hold up. Before you switch off and say, okay, I've got my ICA. I know what my ideal customer, who that is. So normally when I speak to people about understanding their audience, we're talking about courses, physical products, digital products, maybe an ebook, things that have a shorter production process, things that have a determined production process, very specific. My guest today works with clients with a lot longer process, one where the avatar often changes or sometimes even decides they're no longer interested. I think this is a first for us on the podcast, but I was so intrigued by the work today's guest does with the bioscience and pharmaceutical industries that I just like, oh gosh, we got to get her on here. And you know what? There are so many takeaways for every business. So if you're selling to someone, you need to listen to this and see why knowing your ideal customer is so important and on the chance, because it does happen, people do change what to do when that ideal customer changes, how to make sure you always have your finger, I know, on the pulse of what's happening with your ideal customer, okay? So also, as we're going through today's episode, this is a new thing I'm going to ask you to do for me. If something stands out to you that the guest says today, I want to just give them a little bit of extra love. So please screenshot your phone and let us know what they said. So if you tag me, if you tag the person, if you tag Susan, you you might actually have to look in the app here for what her how to tag her. But if you tag me, I'm definitely going to share that comment for you. Okay. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. But Literally, this is a thing that you want to always come back to if something's not work, if you've just done everything and you're like, this product isn't working, I can't launch this anymore or whatever. It's you come back to the person who is that ideal customer for what you are creating. Okay. Okay. Let's dive in. Hi, I'm Ann Samoylov, and I've helped some of the biggest online entrepreneurs and business owners have successful six and seven figure product launches. By working in the trenches offline to produce movies, TV shows, video games, I've discovered so many different ways to launch creative ideas. And the question is, do you have to copy what your guru says in order to have a successful launch? Do you have to use their done-for-you system in order to have success, in order to achieve your goals in business? I say no. This is the Fearless Launching Show featuring myself and an ongoing cast of characters, friends who join me in discussing business, launching, life, and balancing it all and having an amazing time doing it. Let's get into today's episode. Susan, I am so excited about our conversation today, mostly because, yes, we know where we're starting, but I also feel like there's so much that I want, 
I am excited to hear from you. So I know that that's going to bring out questions in me that I probably don't even have scripted out here in front of me. So I just want to say that. And I want to just say I am, I wanted the, the second that I saw an email come through about you and about what you're up to, I was like, oh, we need to talk to this person because she's doing some interesting things. And I think that you, it might actually surprise people that I'm even talking to someone in like such a different market. But it's really <laughs> at the core of what you're doing, you're doing what anybody else who's already listening to this show is doing when it comes to how you're building the business, how you're help how you're helping your clients understand who their customer is, how you're um how you're developing their business, really. And mm. getting the word out there about whatever it is that they're up to, inventing, creating, um, initiatives they're they're pushing through, whatever. So I'm just excited, obviously. <laughs> well, me too, and I'm I'm really excited. Your audience has got a pretty cool niche here, and you're right. right. Cross learning from all sorts of different industries really helps to improve any. Thing you've got going on and going, oh, you know what? This person did that and I'm going to take away the best piece of that and I'm going to move it over here into my business model. I absolutely agree. And that's the thing that I want everyone to who's listening to really kind of take, take out of this is like, okay, I'm listening to this person who's maybe not exactly in the same business I am. We, we never really have someone who's exactly in the same world. But really think to yourself, like, how can I apply this? How can I apply this to what I'm doing or, you know, and look for those nuggets today, because I think that they're going to be a lot. You know, it's going to be interesting because they say the most dangerous words in business are, but my, my industry in my business are different. <laughs> that is so... at the core. We've got some similarities. <laughs> yes. Okay. So why don't we just dive in, Susan, and why don't you share, you know, where, what you do, where you work, who you work with? Okay. Well, I, I will be happy to do that, Anne. So I've got 20 years of industry experience. And my background is bioscience. And people are probably scratching their head right now. And they're like, what? So I grew up in the animal health industry. But I was very fortunate to work with companies who had multiple divisions. And so these divisions were in the animal health sector and the human health sector and the food safety sector and the latest, greatest, newest sector, which is One Health. It's that combination of overlap where you have diseases in animals that transfer to humans and you really have to find creative and innovative solutions in order to protect the people. So I've got this really fun, uh, diverse background where I started out in the lab, but uh, was quickly moved out of there and into project management and ran my own divisions and whatnot. And, you know, as tends to happen someday and you, you, uh, some of your audience might <laughs> understand some of this, you get downsized. Yep, And so I've gone through a couple of those. And at the end of it, I went, um, I don't really like this experience very much. So I think I'm going to go out on my own. I totally get that. And I just love the thought, yeah, you know. <laughs> and, and don't you go, but I want to be the entrepreneur. And I know I'm going to be the successpreneur. And you're like, you get out there and you're doing things. And all of a sudden you're like, ooh. I've got to do this all myself. I don't have a system behind me. I don't have people behind me. And you're working 18, 20-hour days, and you're like, wow, 
was really interesting. <laughs> so you make some tough decisions and move on and you learn the lessons, which brings me to my current ventures, which is really talking to clinicians, whether they be veterinarians or doctors, people who see patients and they've experienced something in clinic and they go, this is a problem. Yeah. I know how to solve this. I've got an aha moment here. But you know what they don't know? Anything else. They know how to be great doctors and great vets, but the business side of it, a lot of them don't know and understand. So they say, well, I've got this concept. How do I commercialize it and make it a success? How do I change lives for the better? And that's where I come in. Uh, usually when you're bringing something to market in the animal health and human health worlds, it's a very long journey. But the first step is to understand and plan that process. And I am a very big believer in planning and thinking about a bunch of different things at the very, very beginning of the process so that you can have the best chance of success. And one of those, for example, would be looking at client avatars, marketing mm -hmm. pieces. Yep. A lot of people are doing this customer avatar um, exercise. There's, I think every single business course I've ever taken has some element of figuring out who your ideal customer avatar is, but we often kind of push that to the side. We do, because it's not exciting. Right. <laughs> you, it's usually the piece that everybody goes, well, I know who it is, um, you know, in the in the animal health world, well, it's um, all dogs or all cats. Right. Um, but that's not really the case because you can't actually get access to all dogs and all cats. And even if you could get access to all dogs or all cats, you probably would find that there's a specific niche within that that really would be your target market. But even before you get to that, you've got to make sure that somebody with a wallet is willing to pay for whatever that concept is. That's right. And, and so, it's probably just a little niche. Yes. And so that's actually re really what I wanted to talk about today, because I think that this is one of those areas where no matter what, I think that we get closed into who's our audience and we, we, we don't actually even have a system or a process to figure out, even though we've got the worksheets and we've done, you know, we, we try to figure it out with with some educational guesses on who our audience is, I, I want to know what your process is to kind of helping your clients figure that out. Great question, Anne. And sometimes I find it differs between the different people because it needs to be adapted to how uh, individuals think. And not everybody thinks in a one, two, three type process. Some people are more linear. Some people think very creative and innovative ways of doing things. So I, for me, me, I, I start by learning more about my client, my customer, right, my avatar, and I go from there. If there's somebody who's really innovative, then we sit down and we do a brainstorming session, and we'll talk about it from the perspective of, okay, so tell me more about the person who's going to use this. And let's just say somebody has, I don't know, a, um, something for older individuals. Yeah, okay. Okay. So tell me about your ideal customer and we'll just ask a series of questions until they can't get any deeper than you already have. However, that is something that is very surface still. So then why let me go away, think it over, have a little bit more of a homework and we'll go a little deeper than that. Because really, when you're looking at your client avatar and you're talking about, well, it's a male who's 65 and maybe is in assisted living 
because they have some sort of a disease, um, that doesn't go deep enough. Why would they still want to buy your product? You got to go one level below that and go, okay, well, not only do they read these and they live in these types of cities or accommodations, um, they really want their independence. Mm. So when you start to peel back that onion and you're starting to dig very much into the why behind it, now you're getting closer to what target market and avatar is really going to look at. And when you start to find those keywords, it's in the case of our 65-year-old gentleman, uh, maybe it's he wants freedom, freedom to be able to live his life. Uh, maybe he wants his independence because there's something that's gone on that has taken that from him. Um, maybe he doesn't have a, a family situation or a friend situation where they're over there and be able to help on a regular basis. So he wants some companionship. Right. And you have to start asking those deeper questions. So you're asking those to those individuals? <laughs> or are you just yes. at first? I mean, how much of it is first just kind of making some educated, you know, guesses or, you know, I, I actually believe that that can only go so far. You can make some guesses, but you have to talk to people. Um, and you have to find out what their language is and all of like everything that you're saying, you actually have to ask them the question. You do. And people are afraid to do that. Yeah. Even the, the best clinicians, they're afraid to go out there and ask those questions sometimes and talk to those people because maybe the product that you think is solving a really great solution that you've seen is not desired at all by the market. And that's the first thing that has to be the hurdle in the I mean, concept of commercialization. That's like, the mo- that's like the most important thing. I mean, I know that there are a lot of, you know, solopreneurs who are thinking, okay, well, what if I talk to people and they don't want it? Well, then you just dodged a lot of months, many months of hard work to find that out, you know, and potentially resources, money, and, you know, hiring all these people. That's some, something you need to find out to begin with. It's the most important thing. If yeah. nobody wants the product. Yeah. Then why? Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, actually, exactly. I'm reminded actually of a woman who was in um, Fearless Launching my program and she's like, do I, um, she's like, I know you want us to go talk to people, but do I really actually need to do that? And I'm like, uh, is this a trick question? <laughs> yes, you have to. Um, and I actually, I don't know if she ever did. <laughs> So there well, you that's go. unfortunate because yeah. how are you ever going to know if somebody wants to buy the product unless you beta test that? Yeah. Hey, I've got this great thing I found out and it's going to solve uh, the next best problem to slice bread. Do you think you'd pay 20 bucks for that if I was to ask you today? Yeah. And then you go from there. That's right. So it's a very... Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just like, I, I, okay, so you do like an initial kind of, okay, is there interest? Is there is there interest in the market? That that would be like kind of phase one. But then do you, do, do you even go deeper after that to kind of find out? Because a lot of people will say, oh, yeah, I'd buy that. But then do you go deeper and then find out, okay, so maybe they said they would buy that, but they actually don't, didn't buy that or whatever. What, what happens in that process? You're so right. <laughs> so next, after you think you have, have a market, you've beta tested some messaging, which you should always be beta testing and t- tweaking your messages. I, I have one client who tweaks their social media messages that uh, or web pages and things every three days. And then they measure with the metrics and they go, oh, that works even better. I got more traffic. Uh, no, no, that, that, that bombed. Yeah. <laughs> and they're able to make quick, rapid decisions by going 
forward that way. But until you ask somebody to actually put their credit card on the line, their cash, it's still just a great concept. So uh, in some cases, it's a matter of going out there and putting up a page that you can direct traffic to. Uh, and I only say that because I'm remote. Most of my clients are nowhere near me. And so it, it is really done electronically with this day and age, right? With mm -hmm. PayPal or whatever it is. And you got to put up that page or send them that invoice. And if they pay it, now you have an actual business. Yeah, exactly. And now you actually have, the, um, there was a woman I used to work with who actually said, you know, if you can get one customer, then there's a lot you can learn about why that person purchased and how to get more of that same person, sim similar people to actually do the same thing. So I'm curious, is that what you kind of look for? Or do you look for a certain number of people that say, okay, yeah, we're going to do that. I'm going to pay that 20 bucks. <laughs> I would like to get between five and 10. And mm -hmm. sometimes that's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. So a great example of that is actually Skip the Dishes. Uh, the business model that they have did not start out as Skip the Dishes. It started out as a personal shopping experience. But they got in their first five clients and they just went after and made sure it was white glove service and they were in constant communication. And what problem am I solving for you? And asking a thousand questions. Yeah. And making sure they understood exactly what their client needed and everything morphed. Oh, you didn't really want me to go to the store for you. Oh, you just want me to bring you the food. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you don't know that until like I love what you just said about the white glove experience too. And I think that's what you that's actually what you get to do during any kind of beta test is that even if there's, you know, a small number of people, actually that's amazing if there's a small number of people because then you can give them literally the best service, experience, whatever, um, and then find out so much from them. Oh, you're so right. And so taking that time, I know every entrepreneur wants to hop in and be that overnight success so that they can work on the business and not in the business, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, yeah. we want to provide the value, but sometimes we get burned being that solopreneur and we're going, yeah, we just want to sell. But yeah. take the time. Understand the need and the pain that you are solving for that client. Because if you do that and you understand the size of that niche, you know, that's your best descriptor of your avatar. Yeah. I'm curious more about this person. Um, I don't know if it's a client or um, a past client, but who uses social media to test messaging. Because I think that, I mean, I try to do that as well. And I notice that's like an, a really easy way to just be doing it on the regular, like every single day, um, even uh, with, you know, whatever posts you put up, you can just immediately get some metrics back on whatever I'm assuming, like for me, I would try things on Instagram because Facebook for me doesn't necessarily get that quick of a reaction, but I'm always looking at that stuff because it gives you clues on, on where to take things. Without a doubt. Yeah. And so it's interesting when I looked for, when I was launching my business, you know, sitting down and you're going, look at all the social media things. I mean, there's, it's overwhelming how many there are. Mm -hmm. And I really don't want to be spending eight hours a day doing social media. It's not my shtick. So which one am I going to focus on? Where's my client? Where's my tribe? And I look at it and I, Go, Facebook would be useless for me. I mean, it's great for me personally, but my clients, my doctors and my vets and stuff, they're not on Facebook for those purposes, but they are on LinkedIn. Yeah, exactly. So making sure that you have a profile on the, the, the platform that will be best for your client, whether it's Instagram or it's YouTube. I don't 
love being on video. So for me, unless I had a lot of really great skill at <laughs> maybe doing infographic type videos, <laughs> it's just a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. So I stick with LinkedIn. Um, a, a fellow a colleague of mine does changes, as I said, every three days. And they go in and they go, okay, so I'm directing organic traffic to make sure it goes from my LinkedIn profile to my web page. And my messaging, I'm going to tweak little words, little descriptors of the pain every three days. And I'm going to measure it by the amount of traffic I see coming into my website. Now, obviously, he has an end goal where his objective is money in the bank right? Clients, paying clients that come in. But of course, that can't happen if he's getting zero traffic to his website. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really fascinating to see the process and, and watch with him and then be able to take that process to other clients and go, okay, so part of what goes into this, and I don't know if, if a lot of people realize it, but it's a lot of research behind the scenes, mm-hmm. researching who your competitors are, what words and phrases are they using, and then tweak the descriptors, the information, the background area for in, the, in his case for the LinkedIn profile in order to see, does that actually change anything? If I put an emoji up here, does yep. that change anything? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I, and I honestly think this is very applicable to anyone. And so the first thing is, you know, identifying where your you know, ideal customers are in theory. Like, I feel like everything is an experiment. So let's just say you're like, I'm pretty sure that they're going to be on LinkedIn. And then I don't know, like specifically where he's sending people, but, or you're the, the person is sending people, but I can imagine for myself, okay, I've got this podcast. I think people, I think my audience who might some of them be on LinkedIn, let's say for this specific episode, I'm going to do like a few different posts and a little bit of different language in each one to see, you know, which one gets more people to the episode. And that's exactly the right thought process. I would go one step further. There's a couple of uh, Google Chrome extensions. One of them is a keyword search. Ah, And if you look at it and you type into the bar, once you download this extension, it'll tell you which keywords are the most popular search in terms of cost per click and uh, give you options and alternatives. Even if you went into just Google without downloading anything else and extensions and all that, and you just started typing in, in my case, bioscience, the first thing after you get to the the bio would probably pop pop up biotechnology. So maybe one of the posts, rather than being bioscience, would be biotechnology or biopharma. Which word resonates with my audience, with your audience? You've got to test these little things out. Yeah, that's that's a really great tip. I love that. Um, and I like what you said too. Like if you don't want to download a plugin, just download it. What you know, it will try to auto complete something. So use that. Mm-hmm. You know, use that information. So. Then, okay, so then you're you're posting and you're testing. Um, the one thing I wanted to say too, and and this is, I don't know like what your clients maybe are like if there's 
a lot of emotion or if they're very like, I don't know, like my idea of <laughs> someone as a scientist <laughs> or in that world is that they're very <laughs> fact-based or something. But I think that it's actually a good practice to start being more fact-based instead of saying, oh, I didn't get a lot of likes on that. No, look at what you wrote. And then, you know, look at the facts. And if you're tweaking multiple times during the week, you're just looking for the thing, the the best kind of set of data. Like what, what brought us in the most, uh, you know, click throughs to our site instead of saying people didn't like this. They don't like me. Like, do you have any do you have clients who have that? thing or are they more focused on the solution that they're providing which is really what I think we should do but you know <laughs> that is such a great comment and, um, my clients I've had a couple of them start out and they're very much I mean at our hearts we want to be liked right yes you know, I don't care who you are you want to be loved you want to be accepted and so would you get some thumbs down and I've seen this on mine I, I I did some random playing around with YouTube and a channel and stuff and I got a thumbs down I'm like what like, <laughs> what did really you not like <laughs> what did you not like about this <laughs> exactly but at the end of the day I try to refocus them on okay so in the last two weeks you've done seven posts now these two posts which were of the same type and same messaging got zero comments but you've got this post over here that did amazing. So let's try and figure out what what everybody really liked about that post and do more of that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it, just keeping it simple, redirecting yourself back to what actually happened. What happened? And not not taking it so personally, which is just one of those things. Like you, I, I just feel like it's like you said, it's just a human thing. We want to be liked. What can I say? <laughs> we do. We do. Oh. And can I add a story in here? I would love that. I would love that. Okay. So this is from uh, the pharma world, right? So drug development uh, is a very lengthy process. And I was working with a client and they had started this process against an E. coli bacteria that makes people really sick. Over the course of development, uh, this was one that Murphy's Law was really intimately well-known. <laughs> it seemed like everything would go wrong. But, you know, that's how you learn and you move on. Uh, it did take until the time it got approved a full 10 years. Mm-hmm. Now, when we talk about client avatars, do you think avatars can evolve and change? Yes. I, I hope do. everybody yes. out there listening <laughs> is going, yes. <laughs> and relationships can change. So in this particular case, the, the bacteria actually lives in the intestines of cows. And, and so the creation of this new product, the concept, came about right after a major outbreak and a lot of people had died and gotten sick. The cattlemen and the governments and all sorts of things uh, had put a lot of money into it and the development of it. Like I said, lots of things went wrong. It took a lot longer than expected. By the time you brought it to market, people had moved on. Mm. That was like a long time ago. But you still have so many people getting sick. But now rather than it being, in this particular case, it was Walkerton, Ontario, which was a town of about 5,000 and 2,000 got sick. So that's a big Whoa, population that's issue. Huh. But now people are going, well, that's, that was like in 2000. Well, I don't, I don't see that as a problem anymore, and I'm not willing to put any money on that. Mm. So you always have to continue to, ch- to change, to test, to stay in touch, because maybe it's not that, that customer base that's going to pay for it anymore. Maybe it's a different one. 
Wow. Yeah, that's actually a really great point. And I think that even um, this is something that like I, I, I have thought about many times over the years because when I first started teaching about launching, there weren't a ton of launching courses. And there were, and I was mostly talking to people who were just starting out. But over time, a lot of those people stayed with me and they're more advanced now and they need different things. And they're like, yeah, Anne, but I really just want to know about Facebook ads now to help me with my launch. So even, even just, being able to stay in touch with them, I love that that kind of tip, really, because I think it's just so simple. Just staying in touch with your people, knowing how they're changing. And then maybe, what do you say about constantly kind of looking for, you know, even if you know that this is what your your product or the thing that you're creating is going to, who it's going to serve, you should be constantly kind of making sure that you're connecting with those audiences because if your core audience kind of changes over time do you know what i mean Mm -hmm, um then mm -hmm. you kind of still have to keep pulling like if you're you're serving let's say beginners and all your people become advanced then you have to keep building that list of beginners you still have to bring in the beginners that's right yeah to keep farming it's like growing a field right Mm -hmm. a farmer has four fields three three fields are going one is fallow and they continue to evolve and change and make sure that they've they've always got something coming in. And I think that there's actually a bigger point to what you just said. It's not just that, but if all of your people that came through are now advanced, maybe you do need to change what you're offering because sure. your market, your client avatar that loves you and knows you and trusts you will go, well, yeah, now I'm ready to do something else, something a little bit different that's a little more advanced. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is true. And I, over the last year, I've definitely had a lot of people going, yeah, you know, that's great, but I really want whatever that next step is. <laughs> you know, so it, it will happen over time that people do change to do, people do need different things. And so I think keeping a really good watch on who your audience is currently and where they're going, like understanding how they're evolving helps you then evolve whatever you're offering them and how you approach them, you know? So my question would be for that, for that one client, like how did they then, how did they then go back to that? Like, did they have to change who their audience was? How did they deal with that? Yes. Well, in, in that particular case, unfortunately, it, they, they had made so much investment in the product. It was just hundreds of millions. Uh, it killed the company. Hmm. So in the farmer world, a wrong decision can be a very different level of, of, oh my goodness, for tough decisions. But I I really think one of the bigger challenges for solopreneurs and smaller organizations, especially when you're running them and you're running around the day-to-day stuff, is to remember to take the time to step back. If you weren't open and to that conversation with that client of yours – and you didn't see it as an opportunity. You just thought as, oh, somebody's asking me for this, but I don't provide it. So I'm just going to let them know that I don't provide it. Maybe somebody else does and I direct them over there. As opposed to taking a critical and deeper thought process and go, hmm, now that's an interesting one because maybe I have the capability to offer a different product. Let's have a conversation with this person that's a little deeper and understand what's behind their ask. Maybe they've taken the first steps and they're at a new stage and they've encountered a new problem. Maybe Mm -hmm. the people who are my competitors, we can do some sort of a business 
this collaboration here. Maybe we just need to think a little outside the box and think on the business here about the model. Maybe a business collaboration with somebody else who's a solopreneur and can offer that. Maybe it's a kickback. Maybe it's an affiliate. Maybe it's who knows. Yeah. But if you're not open to even having that thought process, you're going to let the opportunity slip by. I think that's really smart. I mean, I've always thought that, you know, you can, that we all should kind of like, well, I'm a, I'm thinking of courses, but, you know, I have, I might have my curriculum of courses that I think people should go through and where maybe my courses fit in. But I always look to having really clearly defined, well, if I don't offer this, you should go to that person. Because even if you can't serve them directly, you can still be the hero and be like, hey, I can't help you right now. I don't have that, but you should go to that person because, you know, and the more you have those kind of holes slotted, filled in a little bit um, with those kinds of recommendations, I think that's a really great option um, if you can't offer it. But I but I also know that I've worked with businesses who initially had people that they collaborated with like that and would say, you know what, you got to go to that person. But then find, but that just gave them the time it, when they had that conversation with that, those that person who was like, hey, do you have this type of training? It gave them the opportunity to then go back and create it. So eventually they didn't send people out and they said, you know what? We have this now, thanks to you. And so that that has Isn't happened. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And also there's That's like wonderful. such a collabor collaborative kind of feel to it that I think that people really um, – I mean, this is like a whole other thing too, but like I love when you involve your ideal customer, your potential customer in like the whole development process, it just makes them feel like they they have ownership of it. It's just, it's all good. Like I love being included in developing products and, and things like that because it makes me feel like it gives me more reason to like want to kind of spread the word with them and, you know, and be part of it and just be excited for them. You know, it, it, there are just so many pluses to being involved like that. And isn't it exciting then when you can see the outcome and see the success? Yes. Yes. Can can we touch on one more key area here? Yes. Okay. Please. The, the pivot. <laughs> oh, the so pivot. You, okay. You met you mentioned a course and it it made me think of another client and their experience. And even myself, I've tried. I tried at one point to offer a course, and I had done the client avatar. I'd done the market research. I talked to people. People had had been willing the first five people to put the money in, but it didn't go further than that. Now, here's my question: How long do you wait to pivot, or do you continue to put resources, time, effort, sweat, equity into that project? I'm going to I'm going to call you dude right now. I'm going to say dude, I've been thinking about this question a lot. Like I've been thinking about this question a lot because yes, I want to I want to know what you think. I have been amazed. I have uh, my my client that does a lot of social media is very quick to pivot. Oh, I did this. I got a little bit, but it looks like it's actually not meeting a market need. Hmm. Mm. All right, we're done. Moving on. You're like, what? <laughs> You're like, why didn't you give it a little but more time? <laughs> exactly. But how much more time would you give it? And how much more resources and effort compared to you have other things, hopefully, that you're thinking about or you're, you've already got successfully go growing, you know, nurture 
capture those and, and go back to the drawing board and think about it. You know, was it the messaging on this? Was it the content? Was it something about the business model that you offered? For In, in my particular case, I th- think it was the wrong demographic. Yeah. So I can go back and I can relaunch it later in a different demographic with different messaging. But I have to go back to the beginning, to the client avatar, change it all up and start fresh and anew. Yeah. I mean, this is why people, when they're doing Facebook ads, sometimes, I mean, the hardest part of Facebook ads is truly targeting. Who are you targeting with the ad? So it goes back mm-hmm. always to that customer avatar. And am I ta- am I speaking to the right audience? Am I being clear if I am speaking to the right audience? Um, do they even know that they are, do they even know, that, you know, there's so many, there's so many parts to that. Like, do they know they have a problem? Do they know you have the solution? Do they even know you? Like, there are so many like layers to like helping people get to know you, but like finding that core audience who wants what you have or needs and then also wants and will purchase and will trust you. And <laughs> it's like, all of that. All of it's, that. Yes. It's so important. So what when would I you was say? looking at launching. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. So what no, would no, you I, say? I, I, I think it's, it's super important that you have to spend that thinking time, that critical time to really go back and double check all of your basic assumptions. Whether you are just starting out or you've launched and you're success, still checking them, or you've launched and you failed, you need to go back. Yeah. Because we sometimes don't realize what base assumptions we have. It's another story, if I might. Yeah. So I was looking originally at my own LinkedIn profile and I asked somebody who is a specialist in LinkedIn and I said, so take a look. I haven't changed it up in eons. And I want to kind of understand where you're talking about. And so we were talking and discussing the bioscience boardroom, which was uh, where my my focus, of course, is from concept to commercialization and everything. And he's like, I was thinking about ads, LinkedIn ads. And he said, okay, um, we're going to have a problem with LinkedIn ads. I'm like, really? I don't understand why. Everything I've got to date is organic. But okay, why is, why are ads different? I don't understand. And he says, well, when you're looking at a profile for somebody in LinkedIn, exactly which box do I check to know that they had an aha moment in the clinic? Hmm. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> There's no box on the profile that says, hey, I just had a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it, you've got to check your assumptions. Yeah. So it's on the ads because I can't target the right people because I don't, I, there's not going to be, they're not walking around with a sign. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. That's interesting. There's definitely a lot of assumptions that I think that we can make too. Just even like um, maybe even after years of doing a program and then trying to do something different with it. Um, like like I think we even lose sight when we're, we've been working on something for too long sometimes. <laughs> we're like, is now the time yeah. to pull the plug or do the pivot? Like we <laughs> – you know, so I think there there's definitely like reflection time is very important. Look at the facts, look at what happened, look, you know, really see the details. But also then I think I think I think that helps us, but I I feel like there has to be some sort of okay, if we don't get this by this date, we're pulling the plug or we're going to we're going to pull the plug, do the do the kind of reflection work and then we're going to make a decision one way or the other. 
Like, I don't know, like I see some, some people tweaking things for years and years and years without getting really what they want. And I wonder, you sticking with this too long? <laughs> I'm just mm, They're married to the idea. Really? I mean, it's defined them to some extent. And so they, they probably feel like, well, if I don't have this, what do I have? You know? That's right. So that's right. You, you see this on Shark Tank and other TV reality shows where, where they're pitching ideas. There was one about uh, the toy box, I think it was called. And this guy came in and he had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars developing this idea he had. It wasn't fully done yet, clearly. And you're looking at it going, but there's a competitor on the market over here that's got 90% market share. Why did you mortgage the house for that? Yeah. At what point do you not marry that idea? Yeah. Yeah. So it is, that is a really, really great question. I think that everybody kind of has to figure that out for themselves. Like, but I think that you should go into products thinking, okay, we're going to do, you know, it may take like a year to really get it, get clear on our you know, our audience, but is there an easier way to test this now? I'm a huge fan of beta testing because I feel like that gives you such an opportunity to see how you like delivering the thing. And also, um, mm -hmm. if you can actually get results for people or with people or give them the experience that they wanted or some sort of outcome that they came in wanting to get from you. And, you know, it, it's, it's a way not to commit. You don't have to get married. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, um, so I'm a huge fan of that now. Um, now that I've been through several, you know, different types of launches and things like that. But I mean, I'm thinking about this 10 years thing in the pharma world. And I'm like, wow, what if at the end of the, mm -hmm. the 10 years, your, your audience has moved on, which she said, you know, I'm like, oh, yikes. Yeah. And then, you know, it's funny because that's where sometimes there's a an understanding that the general public doesn't really have it. I know I certainly didn't have it before I started in the industry where you're going, um, I don't know why the drugs cost so much. Mm. Mm, now I know why the drugs cost so now much. Now we get it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it much better. Yeah. No, yeah. I can get, I, I see that. Like we don't, we don't see what we don't see, you know, and um, I, I mean, that makes sense that the general consumer just just sees what they their experience of it is. They're not even thinking about that whole process. So interesting. Exactly. So when you watch the news tonight and they're telling you about this scientific advancement and they're, and they're interviewing the university professor, that's called benchtop science. Think 10 years and $2 billion and 97% of them will fail. Oh my gosh. That actually breaks my heart like to hear that because, you know, that's like life's work right there. <laughs> kind of. Yes. You know? Yeah. So so what so what would you say then? Like I, I think that we talked to about, you know, like the customer avatar, that process, the peeling back, the reviewing, the revising, the messaging, all of these things are really important. Pivoting. Um how do you think people, like, what do you think the easiest way someone could get started? Like out of everything we've talked about maybe today and like, or anything else that comes to mind that, you know, knowing that this could be a lengthy-ish process to kind of figure out who your customer avatar is, what do, what do you think are, what do you think is a good way to get started? I think there is a really great first step and it's free. <laughs> 
I'll take that. (laughs) (laughs) Go out and talk to at least 30 people you think might want the product. Oh, I love that. By the way, I got to tell you, I actually let people off with 20, but I actually want people to do more. I actually want people to do like met people every single month. Like I feel like you should be getting on the phone with or just meeting with people every month to just really make sure that you are still talking to the right person. Um, mm-hmm. So, and do you think that, um, do you talk to people mostly on Skype or Zoom or do you talk to them in person or all of the above or for yourself and for your own business? That is a great question, Han. <laughs> so, You're like, well, um, no. <laughs> uh, for me, my biggest platform is Zoom. I am used to be Skype, but most people I find aren't on Skype any, anymore. Uh, those who are in U.S. and Canada, if it's just a quick call, it's a phone. Yeah. I know it sounds old fashioned, but it's a phone. <laughs> I'm all about, you know, I'm honestly, I'm all about Zoom for most, most things and only Skype for... Because call it recorder records things <laughs> for a podcast. Yes, it does. <laughs> but I mean, I, I'm so that so that's great. So it's not like you have to like be face to face and go have coffee dates with every single person, though that actually can be really valuable too on another level, seeing people's faces and being able to like be with them and kind of sense I'm all about, you know, sense I'm very sensitive. So I can feel like people's interest and like their energy kind of not in a woo-woo way but just you can see when someone's interested or not when you're with them exactly now sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't work and you have to be flexible depending on whether your product is more of a global product or a local product um certainly when i when i I left the business world and i went out and i hung out my own shingle i had a lot of lunches a lot of coffees and i realized quite quickly that i couldn't I, the first step that I had to do, I had always stayed away from sales. Mm. I couldn't close a deal. Okay, I better get me some sales skills. Yeah. But if I hadn't gone through that process of talking to a whole bunch of people, I would never know. Now yeah. I try to connect every day with three people from my LinkedIn connections. Ten-minute calls, literally not long because I, I don't want it to take up my day. But the whole purpose of it is to stay connected and talk to people. You just never know where the big idea will come from. You really don't. And so that's why I like, uh, you know, I've heard people who are like, I'm getting all these requests and things on LinkedIn. I'm like, I'm not offended by that. I actually think that's, you have to do that. You have to be willing to connect with people. And I actually like that challenge even more than 30 people, like connect with three people every day. In like, and there's so many ways to do this now that are free. Even I, I know people who connect with people via the voice memo on Instagram. You can like do a, like in the in the private messages. You can just do voice back and forth with each exactly. other. Exactly. So there's so many ways. You're to so do it. right. You're so right. And so get creative, right? There's a Seriously. voice piece on on Facebook Messenger. There's voice yeah. on Instagram. Um, you don't have to make it long and it doesn't have to be an arduous process. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So Susan, I, I like, I really love this conversation and I really think it's actually kind of reminded me of LinkedIn to be totally honest. I'm like, I need to go spend some time over there. Um, I'm going to see what's going on over there with some of my some of my past colleagues and things like that when I wasn't working online. Um, but I want to know, what are you working on right now that you're really excited about? As we kind of close up, what are you working on that we can that we can celebrate with you? 
Thank you. Uh, right now, actually, I have some clients that I am I'm helping out. They've thought of a great idea. They were clinicians. They're around the world, and they are just killing it at being coachable and doing all the hard work that it takes. It'll be a longer process, obviously, because we're talking about biotechnology. But they're gonna they're gonna change the world. Oh, I love it. I love it. And how can people get to know you besides, I mean, where can they find you on LinkedIn? We're going to make sure we put that link in the show notes. And then also if if you have any other, like if you have a website or anything else like that, that we can share with people. Absolutely. And so there's actually a page that uh, we'll put in the show notes for the link rather than spelling it all out uh, that we'll have direct for your audience, of course. And would it be okay if I gave them a little something? Yes, of course. I would love that. I would love that. I'm sure they would too. (laughs) Very cool. Well, there's a little bit of a freebie there for them. If they want to spend some time with me, there's a link on the page. So just take a look at the show notes and that will get that done. We'll make sure that it's uh, Susan Goebel uh, when you go to LinkedIn and uh, that's G-O-E-B-E-L. And if you want to email me, it's sgobel at bell.net. I love it. Susan, I am so excited that we got a chance to speak today, and um, I'm hoping that you'll also connect with me on LinkedIn. I think we're connected. I'm pretty sure we are. I, I feel like I I've seen so. your name maybe maybe on one of my profiles. I'm so sorry. Um, but, <laughs> That's okay. But let's let's definitely keep stay connected. Um, I really love what you're doing, and and I just want to say to everybody who's listening, make sure to check out the show notes. And we will have all of Susan's links there. Uh, She's really got a lot to share. She has other topics we could have talked about today, but this is one we chose. So she's got a wealth of information um, that you might be interested in. And thank you for inviting me on the show. It has been a real joy and a pleasure, and it's been a lot of fun talking to you. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining me today, Susan. Um, I really do appreciate it. Have a great one, and we'll talk soon, I'm sure. We will indeed. Wild, right? I was absolutely just mesmerized. I don't know if that's the right word by today's episode, but Susan, like as soon as I was like, oh my gosh, you just blew my mind with this whole process. And, And also that she really uses the same process that I use just to create my little online courses where she's creating solutions for illness and medical things, which is so much more important in a lot of ways, right? So if you want to connect with Susan, you want to know a little bit more about her, find her links in the show notes. I think you can look her up also on LinkedIn. She's over there. I'm connected to her. So if you want to look me up, you can find her through me there. But I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I really thought today's episode was an interesting conversation, one that I normally, I mean, I've never had on the show and we've been around for four years. Can you believe that? Okay. I'm going to stop blabbing now. I think we're good for today. I will see you next week with another episode of the Fearless Launching Podcast. Take care.